We are so excited to say that this season of Well and Good is brought to you by our absolute favourite honey brand, Mount Summers. That's right, Matt. So if you're looking for an all-natural sweet treat, then Mount Summers Honey has got everything from UMF Manuka to wonderful chocolate flavours and everything in between. A hoidly hoidly ho, Art. Oh, well, a hoidly hoidly ho to you too, <laughs> Matt Turtles. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you going today? Mm. Yep, I'm pretty good. Yeah, I'm actually great. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm really good today. Why so good? I don't know. Oh, you okay. know sometimes you just get out of bed and you have those days where you A little you just, pep in your step. Yeah. Yeah, quite peppy. Oh, that's great. Um, So should we talk about who we've got on the podcast today? Yep, let's do that. So today we chatted with Camden Howitt. Uh, Now Camden is the co-founder of Sustainable Coastlines, which is a charity here in New Zealand that's all about, um, I guess, sustainability and the environment. Saving our oceans. Yeah. And uh, and Cam's an amazing guy. He's incredibly knowledgeable. Yeah, so he he's kind of our go-to person about um, sustainability. He has addressed, well, he's represented New Zealand um, at the United Nations at its headquarters in New York and most recently consulting and presenting at the United Nations Environment Assembly in Nairobi, Kenya in March last year, which is pretty impressive. So if you're passionate about sustainability, which you should be, then this is a must listen. There's some really practical advice. And there's also a lot of hope as well, because I think it can be a little bit doom and gloom with anything environment related, but um, Cam just doesn't give off that vibe. He really gives off a vibe of hope, which I love. So yeah, no, it's really, really cool. And we talk about the difference that you can make and what actions you can take to make a difference and yeah it's a really interesting chat so put the put the jug on make, make yourself, yourself a cuppa, a cuppa. <laughs> and settle in for a wonderful chat here's Cam okay get cosy in the hammock <sighs> okay oh yeah I am cosy in the hammock oh that's lovely that suits you <laughs> uh, okay well should we just quickly set the scene before we get into it yes so, Cam, we're sitting on your balcony. It's a beautiful day. The cicadas are chirping. Art's in a hammock. I'm in a hammock, a Mexican hammock. <laughs> <laughs> and this is just really, this is probably my favourite podcast location so far. Yeah. I mean, I can hear Oprah Winfrey, the chicken, um, cooing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> she may have just laid an egg. Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, could, we'll go could check we have a fresh egg? From, Great. Nah. Well, you guys hungry? So welcome to the podcast, Cam. Um, Can you please give us a bit of a background about yourself, about sustainable coastlines, how you got into it? Yeah, paint a picture. Just real broad. Yeah, well, really broad. (laughs) I can take it back. I mean, I've the very broadest I can take it back to is you know how I've grown up, and my uh, parents have been an inspiration for any of the sustainability work that I do and that, and that we do at Sustainable Coastlines to an extent. My I grew up in a childcare centre in, in Christchurch. Um, when I was eight years old, my mum my started a childcare centre or early learning centre at our house and it was always sustainability focused. Um, she runs two of those in Christchurch now. They're both uh, Enviro schools certified. So one of them is green gold, which is the highest level and one of them silver. And, that, and so that, I've had that from the very beginning. Um, then through school, you know, we spent a lot of time outdoors in nature. Every, I was lucky. My parents were both um, teachers and then ran their own business. So they were able to take Easter holidays every year uh, tramping and in the bush. So a lot of connection to nature in that. But I never, I never bought into, I suppose, what the environmental movement in New Zealand was at that stage. For me, my understanding of it was, uh, you know, protest and petitions and some of the sort of negative sides of the environmental movement. And, and, and I don't say that they're not necessary. I say that they they challenge ideas in a, in a way that's needed, but they present them often in a don't-do kind of way. So they're not the positive light. They're petitions and protests against things, and they, they can be done positively, and perhaps back in the day they were done a bit more negatively, but it just didn't appeal to me. And so I never really got into it. But I spent my university degree in Dunedin, uh, and spent my fourth year of that overseas in Mexico and really saw over there, um, as you will have seen in your travels, you know, some of the beaches and the way that they they can end up with, you know, high population and, and waste management issues and met um, my very good friend and, and co-founder Sam Judd over there. We spent a lot of time surfing on the west coast of uh, Mexico, road tripping and that, and really got a an idea for how 
you know, how polluted some of these spots can get if we don't look after them. Um, and then came back to university and finished my final year, wrote uh, my honours sort of dissertation and um, and behaviour change and environmental, pro-environmental behaviour change and just really got a lot more interested in it but didn't really find a place to, to have an outlet for that and it wasn't until, you know, uh, my buddy Sam came back from further travels where him, him and some mates in the Galapagos Islands had run uh, some huge beach cleanups and had really sort of seen the scale of the issue over there on some really, really remote coastlines and come up with the idea to start this charity, Sustainable Coastlines. Um, yeah, he came back and I was, I was sort of working and advertising and had been for a few years and was very conflicted. I was trying to do all, all the best things I could in that industry. I was setting up sustainability policies for the business I worked at. I was trying to get everyone to recycle. I was putting stickers beside the light switches saying how much carbon dioxide um, emissions would be created if they left them on, you know, over the weekend. I was doing as much as I felt like I could, but, um, you know, it wasn't enough. And so, you know, when he came back and had the idea to start this this charity, I jumped on board with that really soon. That was... Uh, 2009. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm, yeah. And so um, can you tell us a little bit about what sustainable coastlines do? Yeah, yeah. We we are all about enabling people to look after waterways and coastlines. So that's that's sort of our mission. And we've, you know, over the years starting cleaning up beaches, seeing rubbish in the environment that we love, you know, the place that inspires us, um, that gives us so much back, you know, it gives us Kaimwana, it gives us, you know, a lot of our cultural references in New Zealand or around the beach. Um, and to see, you know, that environment degraded was pretty sad. We just wanted to do something positive. So cleaning up the beach, um, cleaning litter off the beach was the start. We've, we developed that very, very quickly because we knew, you know, our, our first major event was Aotea, Great Barrier Island. We picked up 2.8 tonnes of rubbish off predominantly the West Coast um, beaches, the ones facing Auckland. Wow. We went back to the same spot a year later and picked up 3.1 tonnes of litter off those same beaches. So, no way. You know, what was that a year later? It was a year later. This was um, yeah, 2009 and then 2010. And How do you – can I – I'm just trying to f- – like imagine that how, like yeah. what's a good way to imagine how much that actually is yeah yeah if volumes often an easier way to to understand to visualize it so uh from memory those were around a, a full shipping container of litter each so oh huge amount so that, a shipping container 20 foot shipping containers around thirty thousand liters volume wise of, of um and so if you'd filled a whole shipping container of litter um, that'd be around about what we found on each of those. It's a huge amount, Bloody you know. Hell. We're talking, you know, tens if not hundreds of thousands of individual pieces of of litter there. So the the point was, you know, and they say in this space, you know, if all you ever do is clean up, that's all you'll ever do, um, because you'll just keep finding what keeps getting dropped. So we needed to move into education. We we run a lot of work in schools trying to not just raise awareness but change behaviour on these issues, particularly around single-use plastics, uh, which are predominantly what we're finding on our beaches. You know, 70 75% of what we're seeing in terms of items are, are that. And then um, from there, realise that actually you can't clean up your beaches unless you look upstream and, and look to your, to your waterways, your rivers. And so... Anyone who's surfed uh, after after heavy rain at a at a river mouth knows that you you smell and taste and uh, you know in some cases ingest the stuff that's flowing down those waterways and it can make you really sick. You know um, it can it can be really dangerous to human health. So we started a program uh, called Love Your Water, which is all about restoring uh, the health of our waterways, um, which obviously flow to our oceans and. You know, over the years, we've developed that into much more of a model where we where we hand over those skills to other groups, other community groups. Um, so we do a lot of that um, that word enabling, and our and our mission is really about trying to trying to engage other community groups that may be smaller scale, uh, may need further resources, or may just need more inspiration um, and more opportunity to to get more deeply engaged in looking after their local spot. And so it's become a huge focus for us um, and our core mission now is really handing on skills where we can to, to other communities um, but also other generations, younger generations particularly. Mm. Yeah. When you um, talk about waterways <coughs> and the, I guess, the pollution and things that are mm. sort of running down through there, are you talking about animal waste or are you talking about sort of chemical waste from fertilisers and yeah. um, sprays and stuff or all of that? 
talking about everything, you yeah. know, there are a huge number of different pollutants that impact on our waterways and our and our oceans as well, because obviously they're all connected. Uh, you know, you're talking about things like heavy metals. You know, um, we're talking about chemicals. We're talking about excess nutrients. Um, we're talking about uh, pathogens, so you know, disease um, <laughs> forming things. So you know, and that can come from a wide variety of sources. You know, obviously your pesticides and herbicides and fungicides. That's a lot of horticulture and, and that sort of stuff, um, excess nutrients and things like E. coli, that's um, often agriculture, um, <clears throat> the way that we apply fertilizers and the way that we use land and things, um, you know, and, and then there's erosion, so there's sedimentation, so sort excess um, sedimentation and waterways is no good either. Um, mm. Then you've also got the the macro pollutant stuff like litter, um, which is a huge, uh, you know, focus for us on, on, on our Love Your Coast program, which is really about keeping our beaches clean from, from litter and some of the sort of behavior change stuff around single use plastic. But, you know, we've got a lot of, a lot of different, uh, inputs into why our waterways and coastlines are not as, as they should be. Um, so we try to address those kind of root causes. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, okay. What is the current state of our waterways of our ocean how does it compare to other places around the world Mm. Uh, have you got any sort of idea of the way it's heading and like maybe the way it would go if we don't act yeah absolutely i mean a lot of people would be shocked to hear that new zealand is the 10th worst in the world per capita when it comes to waste consumption really um, waste production that's very yeah that's behavioral so that's a yeah there's a world bank report that came out in uh in 2018 that that ranked you know yeah Production of waste per capita in an urban environment. New Zealand was tenth in the tenth worst in the world. And I wonder why that so, is. Well, I mean, it's it's uh, a lot of developed countries have really embraced you know convenient single use culture. Um, and it was actually, I mean, plastics are not um, the enemy. Plastics are very very useful materials. These microphones we're holding, you know, plastics in them, our phones, our computers, but it's when they're used for single use um, that that's the real issue. Mm-hmm. So as, you know, a lot of economies develop, you know, we, we tend to embrace these, you know, single use and convenient items because we, we can afford to buy them. You know, you wouldn't see people buying plastic, um, you know, put water in a plastic bottle every day if they couldn't afford to pay for it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we're also geographically very isolated, um, but we're well developed. So if we want strawberries in the middle of winter, we will just buy them from Spain and get them shipped over here and pay the extra bit. So, you know, we've got all the packaging that's associated with buying things um, and having them sent uh, a long way, which obviously there's, there's um, embodied carbon and sending things around the world. But, you know, the, the on the consumption of, of waste side of things, it's really, you know, we, we do, we are isolated. We can't produce all the things that we want to consume. Um, so we, we bring them in and they come with packaging and, um, you know, we're, we're well, relatively well off and on the scale of things. So we do mm-hmm. have that, you know, convenience and con- in, in consumption culture. And it's yeah. just something that we, we can address as individuals, you know. Yeah. And do you, do you think that we are, sort of on the right track now because it feels like there's a huge movement from yeah. the last few years where people are beco- becoming really aware of their um, consumption, consumption single-use plastic, yeah. their behaviour. Yeah. yeah. It's it's incredible to see where we are now as compared to, you know, 11, 12 years ago when we started this thing up. It's it's actually really inspiring and really motivating for me and for, and for us, uh, you know, these issues take a long time to solve. We're not going to pretend that this is going to be solved overnight by by some you know individuals taking coffee cups to <laughs> themselves. And but on mass, that stuff that stuff does work. It does take a while for us to see the change come through. Um, so waterways, for example, you know they, they take a long time to clean up through through the planting activities that we do and through some of the other work that we do. But we see that change in culture, which is important and behaviour and that, you know, those are, you know, outputs to what we need, which are the outcomes of cleaner beaches, you know, healthier waters and, mm. and things like that. And all of the, a lot of the right steps are in place in terms of that awareness and that, that culture. Um, I think, uh, you know, it's, for me, it's, it keeps me going to see, to see how we're, we don't have to spend our time convincing people now that there's an issue. We spend our time, trying to, to guide people towards the right and most appropriate solutions for them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's great. That's that's a huge change. Yeah. And 
like I guess on a smaller scale, the um, supermarket plastic bag situation, how mm. it's just so normal to bring yeah. your own bag now. And it just goes yeah. to show that yeah. a tiny little behavior change over time yeah. is not a big deal, you know? No one even it's, thinks about yeah. it anymore, no do they? No one thinks about it anymore. Yeah, at the start there was a bit of, um, I guess, yeah. backlash. There was a, you know, And isn't oh, it interesting that, that people would would say that that's not a good thing? Yeah, you know, well, it, how, how is there an argument for it? I mm. really, I don't understand. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it, it changes their, mm. <laughs> changes the way they want to live their life, their convenience, their, yeah. their yeah. right to convenience. It's like. Mm. We're, we're very, uh, humans are very adaptable and um, our behaviours, our, our habits can be very deeply ingrained quite quickly. And it's it's interesting because, um, so we, we did some work early early on um, in the history of, of sustainable coastlines. We did some work in, in Tonga in, a, in an outer island group called the Hapai Islands. Beautiful, beautiful spot, but very, very remote. And um, they'd had, I think it would it only been five or so years since plastic bags had actually been introduced there. And previously there was a, uh, you know, a lot of uh, production of the you know, sort of waste materials from various different um, organic products, so um, fronds of, of palm trees that were used to make baskets that people would just take to the market and, and you know, buy their things in. And they couldn't remember, what, the people that we talked to couldn't remember what they did without plastic bags. It was only five years prior and there was, you know, there were women employed making these bags that was all sustainable and that. So we're very, um, very quick to adapt to something new and then when we feel that that's going to be taken away from us, um, we, you know, we sort of reject that. But, mm. you know, on the flip side of that, <laughs> everyone's adapted pretty quickly to this. And it's interesting because before I used to ask this before the plastic bag ban actually came in in July last year, officially through the legislation. Um, it was over a year before that that um, that New World had put out a survey to their um, customers, and then Countdown um, followed suit and, and put a survey out to. And actually, no, they didn't. They just saw the survey from New World. It was great. It was great to see that competition actually, because <laughs> they were listening to their customers and they were saying, actually, this is this is not what the government's going to do. This is even not necessarily what business is going to tell you. This is what our consumers are telling us. Uh, and the overwhelming response from New World Survey, which was uh, to do with would, what alternatives would you like to plastic bags, was you left an option off. What about no plastic bags at all? Countdown jumped on that and went, we're going to do a voluntary ban because we know that's what people want. And um, and they got the sort of media for it. And it, But it was brilliant to see that, you know, how the the movement of people rejecting, you know, just choosing and telling their businesses that they shopped at that we don't want this sparked this huge business change, which then in turn sparked the government going, well, you know, we're so popular, we'd probably do that. Um, <laughs> and, and I used to ask people in talks, I like, before the plastic bag ca- ban came in, I got a show of hands, who thinks there's a plastic bag ban in New Zealand? And most people would put up their hands. Um, so the job was done um, by individuals uh, first, and then by businesses and then by government. So we're very much mm. um, huge power in, in the individual consumer and yeah. that behaviour. Yeah, I think that I kind of learned that after we spoke to you about this sort of um, thing a few months back, just when the um, the whole plastic bag ban was happening. Mm. And I asked you, yeah, like for change like this to happen, um, yeah, do like do we have to wait for it to be led by the government? And do we have to, you know, because I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people are right? sort of sitting around just being like, cool, I'll just follow the government. If they tell me what to do mm. in terms of sustainability, I'll follow that. But in reality, like most of these things are led by consumers, and every time yeah. we purchase something, we're essentially voting with our um, our yeah. dollar to see the change that we want to see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we're, we're a grassroots organisation, so we we truly believe in the power of the bottom up. Um, <laughs> there's a quote that uh, that I love, and we use this often in our, in our conversations at schools, but with business as well. You know, if you think you're too small to make a difference, try sleeping in the room with a mosquito. And, I love yeah, that's that great, quote. isn't it? I love it, and 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 I think with a lot of the conversations around waiting for legislation or waiting for government, you know, people can get frustrated because they, you know, they have to wait. Whereas these, and it can be very disempowering because um, you don't feel like you have as much control over it. You have to wait on someone else's time frame. Um, what empowers us as individuals and in, in the, the issues we see, and this isn't just in sustainability, it can be in social things, is that you need to be able to feel 
capable and feel competent to act yourself. Mm-hmm. And once you do that, you know, it's it's behavior modeling. You hope you'll hope you'll create that that norm. And you mentioned sort of normalization of the of bringing your own bag. You know, anyone um, uh, anyone knows that if you have enough social pressure around you and social norms around you, that you'll 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 probably end up conforming. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, now it's sort of scary if you. Mm. Well, I mean. We don't have plastic bags, but mm. but previously it was scary going to the supermarket if you forgot it because you were like, yeah. oh, no, I'm going to be that person that, mm. that has to get a plastic bag, you know? Yeah, I mean, I <clears throat> I yeah, I yeah feel that pressure when I'm getting a coffee and if I forgot to bring my reusable cup, yeah. now I'm like, I'm too scared yeah. to get a coffee yeah. <laughs> because I don't want to. And wanna, that's great. I know. That's so good. It is. It's good. Yeah. So, yeah, and now I've got so many reusable coffee cups. Hey, there's, a, there's a great thing for that. Uh, there's, a, there's a great enterprise called Again Again, uh, which – uh, they're in a lot of cafes around around Auckland now. Are they um, those metal cups? They're metal cups where you can sort of pay a bit of a bond on that and return the cup later. So it's sort of a kind of a cup lending service for people who have forgotten their cups because yeah, it's, it's not always good. convenient to carry a thing around with you. Um, and and I also sort of say um, preface this all with you know we have to be careful to not live in our in our echo chamber on this because there are people that do struggle with these things as well. You know, not everyone has twenty five to. $30, $40 to buy the keep cup. Um, not everyone's got that on the, you know, mm-hmm. the front of their mind when they've got multiple um, things to do, jobs to hold down. Um, Mouths to, to feed. feed. Yeah, totally. You know? And so um, I think it's important that we have both sides of the conversation around what's um, what's popular and what's um, common, but also what's difficult about these things and where some of the barriers exist for people to, to make the right choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that comes up often in this conversation is sort of the, the, uh, the the growth and probably some of the things that I call like false alternatives, which are, you know, um, by by making things convenient for people with plastic straws, plastic coffee cups, plastic bags, we have that culture ingrained in us. And there are, um, you know, packaging firms, chemical manufacturing companies that that want to take the opportunity to, to jump on the green bandwagon but offer solutions that make it easy for people to keep their same behaviour that they currently have. Um, so, you know, things like, um, you know, bioplastics are a perfect example of that sort of stuff where you replace a, a plastic straw with a, a plastic straw derived from cornstarch and it's effectively the same issue you're creating just out of a different um, derivative. Um, mm. So we have to be careful that we're not, um, yeah, that we're not leading people astray where we know that they won't have the option to buy a, you know, stainless steel straw because they're not going and, you know, that's not the top of their mind. They just want what's easy. Mm. Um, those those alternatives are, um, there's a, it's a bit of a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Do you think we'll get to the point where we don't use straws at all? I think I think that there is uh, the majority of the population. Yes, there's uh, important consideration for the disabled sector, um, um, and that where there are people that have a um, accessibility requirement um, or in hospital that, or that need like yeah that. that need that and that for that small um, portion of the population definitely there's there's a requirement for something there. Mm-hmm. I'd say that um, if you're out and about, you know, most cafes can probably afford to buy a few um, washable straws that they have on hand for that sort of um, that sort of customer. But yeah. I would say, yeah, um, across the board, we don't need plastic straws. Yeah. Um, uh, apart from that very small part of the, the sector, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. What about um, plastic bottles? Plastic bottles is an interesting one and you, you – um, uh, it was great to collaborate with you guys on our campaign uh, last year. We we're talking about, you know, the, the, the trying to move away from single-use plastic water um, uh, bottles for, for water. I feel like in New Zealand, particularly where we can, ninety-nine um, percent of the time drink water out of our taps, and it's perfectly safe and and healthy um, for us. That we can avoid that. Uh, I think um, things like a better network, or at least better. Uh, understanding of locations of things like um you know water refill stations and and public um water fountains is something that probably would help with that mm-hmm. i think uh a lot of the stuff that needs to happen to uh to open up that conversation is around you know how um how our food systems work which is broader than just um things that come in plastic that are drinks um but it, you know what's interesting is there's a lot of conversation around this in the international space now around how uh, effectively as a consumer you buy the product not the packet it's in um, and how do we get those products to people without the packet that's that's a that's a really you know really because people don't challenge. want the packet you know yeah, I, ideally yeah. we'd 
we could just get yeah. get the item. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's uh, lots of conversations I know in the um, sort of the cosmetics or uh, personal care space about, yeah. You know, for example, at our education centre, the flagship down in the Winyard Quarter, there we have uh, eco store um, delivery. Uh, sorry, a, a refill station. So you've got large um, quantities of the shampoos and dishwashing liquids and things like that, where you can bring your own bottle and refill it. Um, so something like that in the in the consumables space is one, but more of those, more of those refill stations are popping up in supermarkets mm. and stuff now too, right? Yeah, exactly. You've got to be where the people are. Yeah. In, in that context, and the container deposit legislation um, is being looked into by um, by government at the moment. What's that's, that? That's uh, you know your, your back of your, your your bottles. You'll see a you know ten cent refund if you deposit this in South Australia or Northern Territories or yeah. um, other states in Australia. Often our labels get printed for New Zealand Australia market, uh, so we see that on them. We don't have that in New Zealand, uh, and I think that's I know that's a mechanism that that the government's looking at as a way to reduce litter from those items. It doesn't stop people consuming them. Um, in the first place, but it creates a better um, market for re- retrieving and then recycling those plastic bottles if they're plastic or glass or aluminium um, or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, um, oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, just back to the um, drink bottle sort of scenario, you see a lot more people with reusable drink bottles yep. these days, which I think is fantastic. But yep. you're right, there's not there's, there are a few places where you can fill them up outside of your home. Mm. Um, cafes are usually pretty good. Cafes mm. are yep. good. I mean, I love airports where you've got mm. those um, refill stations that actually have a little digital thing on them and they tell you how many yeah. litres of water you've yeah. saved or how many bottles you've saved or something. Yeah, because yeah, cool. it's also, it's not just bad for the environment. It's it's bad for us. Like yeah. plastic bottles are huge hormone disruptors. Yeah. They're really not good. No. Yeah, I think uh, uh, constantly having our food packaged in plastic is is probably going to be one of those issues we, we know more about and in a few years' time, and think, why did we ever do this? And um, you know, it might be the uh, the the lead and petrol of, of our age, or whatever it might be, or the CSCs, or whatever it may be yeah. of our age. Um, so you know, we we're looking for an alternative. You'd go with something much more chemically inert, like a like glass or or stainless yeah. steel, is, um, and things like that. There's a good campaign actually that um, the Ministry for the Environment is running at the moment um, around refills, around refilling your, your water bottle. And there's a, a great group called Refill NZ that are uh, aiming to publish all the cafes where they they basically promote wanting people to come and refill their bottles in there. Awesome. I don't think there's many cafes that say no to you if you do it, but it's more about kind of building that um, that norm around people going and doing it. Yeah. Uh, so that's a that's another good. Uh, yeah. Measure for, for changing those behaviours. Here's a quick message from our sponsors, Mount Summers Honey. If you fancy a change from processed chocolate spreads or you want to skip the high percentages of refined sugars found in jam, then Mount Summers has something for you and your family. Yeah, you're not wrong there, Matt. They have the first truly cosmopolitan range of flavoured honey with caramel, vanilla and citrus flavours to tickle your taste buds. And I have it on good authority that the next flavour to drop is chocolate. So, boost up your breakfast, fix up that lunchbox, or add a little twist to dips and toppings for ice cream. Oh, that sounds good. So to find them, you can ask for them by name in your supermarket, or check them out online at mountsummershoney.com. That's M-O-U-N-T-S-O-M-E-R-S-H-O-N-E-Y.com. Talking about, because I know that, that we're kind of talking about New Zealand specifically, yeah. but I'm interested to get your take on the global issue because the reason I say that is we we went to Cambodia the year after last I think Mm. and I was really kind of disheartened by what I saw Mm. and how bad the the plastic problem there is like we we did a river cruise um through this village and um they were just kind of throwing the plastic straight into the river because Mm. they obviously don't have the education about because they did have banana leaves and all of these things to keep their food in that they would yeah. just, you know, throw on the ground or throw in the river or whatever. Yeah. But now it's just been replaced with packaged foods. Yeah. So they're doing the same thing, but they don't have the education or the infrastructure around what yeah. to do with it. And and us as, as tourists as well, we we were just given plastic bottle after plastic bottle because we couldn't mm. drink the water. Yeah. And I just felt really kind of <laughs> disheartened going there and contributing to the problem, seeing the problem. And so as like a traveler or a tourist, how yeah. how can you try and 
help? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. It's hard because you know uh, – you know, I don't think people are going to stop traveling. There's a human, basic human desire to explore and that yeah. sort of stuff. And I feel conflicted about this when I'm overseas um, as well. I think there there are some basic things that you can do on a, on a sort of a personal level. I mean, um, bringing, you know, when you're in airplanes and, and, and things, you're constantly confronted with plastic cutlery and things. So bringing your own um, little pouch of, of your own cutlery for that is, is quite useful. Just make sure you don't have a, a sharp metal knife in there for, for carry <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> Uh, there's a really cool product that I use uh, called the uh, Grail, um, G-R-A-Y-L, which is a, a, a carbon uh, filter, sort of a kind of like a French press for water. And I've drunk water out of taps all through Mexico um, and that. I've filled up my bottle in sort of this algae riddled lake in Canada and <laughs> drunk out of it just to test it just because I kind of felt like it. Uh, and, and that was great. It, it, it filters out, you know, most of the pollutants. I, I, I try not to to consume any um, water out of plastic bottles when I'm traveling. And that that is probably one of the bigger challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being, being conscious that actually if you're putting something in a rubbish bin, particularly where you know there's really, really poor waste infrastructure because you can see it on the streets, you can see what's going on, on is realizing that, that that rubbish is probably not going to a nice, well-managed landfill or recycling center that it's most likely going to be disposed of informally or, or you know, and and trying to not be a part of that. So, mm-hmm. you know, wherever possible, trying to consume as, as little as possible um, when you're there. But, you know, or, or even, you know, to the extreme, bringing that home with you. Um, yeah. But I think the bigger, the, some of the bigger issues are stuff that's come up recently um, through uh, a couple of years ago. The uh, China's National Sword Program was um, put into play, and that effectively uh, banned or very, very heavily regulated about twenty-four different recycling streams, and that's disrupted the world's recycling markets. Um, soon after that, a lot of the stuff that was getting sent to China, um, I, think I heard a stat the other day: four thousand containers full of rubbish or poor quality recycling was leaving America's ports for China every single day, 4,000 shipping containers, um, but pre the National Sword Program. So China got sick of being the world's dumping ground and fair enough. It was always going to happen. And said, we don't want this anymore. Um, It's affecting our health. It's affecting our environment. It's affecting everything. Um, And soon after that, um, everyone diverted to Malaysia. They said, no, we don't want this. So a lot of those um, Asian, Southeast Asian countries are realizing that they don't want to be the world's dumping grounds and it's affecting the health of their people. It's affecting their tourism, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, you know, it has to come back to in New Zealand, we need to keep our stuff on shore rather than make our 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 rubbish um, or our consumption someone else's problem mm-hmm. and make sure that we've got the systems to deal with that. But then on an individual level, just actually consume less, you know, find the yeah. things you can do to be part of, of that solution. Traveling, um, you know, you just have to be very mindful of everything that you, you dispose over there. You, you have to assume there's not a good waste management system for it. So for that mindset, how do you consume when you're traveling? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, sure. So less yeah. takeaway options of yeah. your food, of your drink, and try and yeah. eat I fresh guess. wherever you can. Yeah. yeah. So um, just back to that uh, waste management stuff in yeah. China. So um, is most of our recycling and stuff is it sent to China currently? Uh, 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 there the used to be a relatively large percentage of New Zealand's um, recycling streams that went to China. We don't we don't process if we focus on plastics. We don't process onshore. Uh, for recycling and any high quantities, anything other than number one or number two. That's um, PET and HDPE. So PET is like your soft drink bottle, HDPE is like your milk bottle, uh, basically. So in terms of recycling onshore in New Zealand, we pretty much only process those. And you may have um, noticed some comms from um, very – and it changes wherever you are in New Zealand, so there's no sort of one one rule, but a lot of councils are only accepting number one and number two recyclables now – because a lot of the other plastic types, three through to seven, and seven basically covers as a catch-all for any other type of plastic, uh, a lot of those other types were being stockpiled, waiting for a good recycling market to send them to. Um, mm-hmm. And that market is is proving to be very, very difficult. So, yeah, again, the, the need to realise that, you know, there is no away. Um, we really just shift our problem somewhere else. And uh, and actually, yeah, so the, the New Zealand's um, and a lot of a lot of countries have had a real wake-up call with this and realised, yeah, our, our uh, we were just shifting the problem. We need to deal with this here and make sure we're 
um, you know, looking at the waste hierarchy, going from, you know, at the top, you know, not producing it at all, refuse, you know, the whole refuse, reduce, reuse, recycle, um, and then finally, if you can't deal with it, dispose of it, but dispose of it carefully. Mm-hmm. That that stuff has to be paramount, and and the, and the hierarchies, um, the waste hierarchy is there for a reason because you want to do the stuff at the top, and you want to do as little of the stuff at the bottom. Yeah, uh, as possible for sure. Yeah. Big big shake up to kind of how we think about waste in New Zealand for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and where? What are some of the most uh, beneficial things that people can mm. do today mm. or at home yeah. to just? Well, I think help? you know one of the things that we're doing right now. You know, connecting with nature and being outside tends to be one of the biggest barriers to to caring. And and I, I think like in the in the wellness space, you know, and in, in the in the conversations we have about how to be happy, um, how to be healthy, um, it's such a common thread as getting outdoors, connecting back with nature. And it's the same in the sustainability space. You know, a huge amount of the the thing, the problems that we see are because we're not, you know, because we're indoors on screens. Because it doesn't um, affect us because, personally. Yeah, because yeah. we're not we're not um, seeing um, perhaps the issues that have come from our consumption. We're not seeing where our food comes from. Um, you know, we're making sure that we connect back with those places and therefore we understand both the issues that we, you know, um, that we see there, you know, we take people to the beach, not necessarily because we think it's the best way to clean up litter. Um, taking you know fifty school students to the beach while it's a great exercise, it's it's probably easier for you know ten of us to get out there and find more rubbish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's so important because firstly the kids get outside, um, they get outside the classroom, but they get outside to the beach, and and it's a learning experience. It's connecting with the issue, but it's also realizing, man, I love this place. You know, and I want to protect it. And uh, you know, one of the the mantras that we live by at Sustainable Coastlines is a quote from uh, from Jacques Cousteau from back of the day. He's one of my heroes, um, not because he was a conservationist, which he, originally he was just an explorer and a filmmaker, and he invented the scuba tank to be able to see more and take people more mm. undersea and film things that had never before been able to be seen by someone that hasn't been able to go there. Um, and he said, you know, people protect what they love. And it's so true, you know, um, you, you do it with your children, you love them, you protect them. You do it with your, your pet, you, you, you mm-hmm. love them <laughs> and you protect them. Um, and the same with your environment. Um, and so that's the biggest thing we can do first. And then, so connect to nature, be outside, see it. But then we need a, so there's a few steps in this um, process in terms of behavior change. There's a, uh, we're, we're doing a lot of work in that space right now, developing a new education program. Uh, we've got a new program called Litter Intelligence, which is a much more sort of holistic look at, at data and insights into what the issue is, but also involving communities in that and then taking action. And a big part of that is an education program focused on very deep connection to nature and empathy for nature and, and self and then um, behavior change and action for solutions. So huge part of that is there's a theory um, called COMBI. It's basically one of the behavior change sort of theories um, and it's uh, capability, opportunity, motivation. So people need the capability. So this kind of action competence, I am capable to act. I'm, I have the opportunity to act so I, I can go out to my local um to my garden and pick um, herbs instead of buying them in, in, uh, in plastic at the supermarket and have the motivation as in, you know, I care and love and want and um, and and think that it's going to be useful and make a difference. So all of those things are important. And so without being too prescriptive, you know, because everyone has their different parts that they can make an issue, uh, that, that, that they can make solutions happen, it's just pick, pick something that you can change in your everyday life that you see a result in because that's going to motivate you to, to pick up the next thing. Um, we all see it in, 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 our, in our habits. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, so true. Because even just like seeing your yeah. recycling bin less full every time yes. or something yeah. like that can can just give you yeah. that little bit of like, I'm doing a good thing, so yeah. I want to keep doing this good thing. Totally, yeah. I uh, One thing that really... Yeah, you know, I've, I've focused on. I'm, I'm lucky in the sense that we were able to afford to have a, a garden. Uh, you know, a place with enough land to have a garden. A lot of people aren't in that in that space, mm-hmm. um, or they're renting, or you know, there's just not enough land where they are. Uh, you know, ma- planting your own food and harvesting your own food. Start start really small there. You know, go if you've got a small place. Um, 
have herbs on your on your counter or on, on your bench um, in a sunny spot. Um, and um, oh, there we go. That's, that's the neighbourhood for you. <laughs> Jobs to be done. All the tools. Jobs to be done. You know. um, but you yeah, start small and, and plant something that you can harvest easily and eat um, locally and then you don't have to drive to the supermarket. You don't have to, you know, go and buy that, that thing wrapped in plastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Even just um, understanding seasons, I think, is a good one too because we've become so disconnected with seasonal food. So, mm. like, just checking the, the back of something, see where mm. it's from. If it's from, you know, Spain or Turkey or something, yeah. e- even just getting something closer to home or just yeah. tiny little things that they all they all do add up. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that sort of stuff. Once you've once you've seen your rubbish bin becoming less full of stuff, once you've seen, you know how easy and how healthy it is, and how motivating it is to grow your own food or to and so satisfying you know, as well. Like yeah. if you have have a dinner, whether it's coming yeah. from your garden, it's like the best feeling and so much oh, more healthy yeah. for you. Yeah. One, one absolutely. of the things I've got into the habit of recently, it's taken me a while, is having my own flask for, for filling up beer at the, the liquor store. So, you know, I, li- I like a good beer, and, and um, but I, I do struggle with, even though I know glass recycling in New Zealand is, is, is done, and, al- and even if it's in cans, aluminium recycling is, is done here. Um, even though I know that there's recycling going on, it's still, that is still a material that's need energy, transport, et cetera, et cetera, mm. to create and then to recycle. So, yeah, refilling your own flask of, of beer is great. And every time I use them, I'm like, wow, that's, that's six bottles that don't have to be taken to a centre, sorted, and then transported to another recycling centre. And, mm-hmm. and that feels good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Make it feel good. Make it fun. That. As yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. It, well, like I guess it's something you could do with your kids as well to get kind of creative and be like, how can mm. we sort this issue, or what's another thing that that mm. we can do to stop packaging? Like, mm. get your kids in, involved early, I think, mm. and and mm. and teach them about it. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, we're, we're expecting our first in in a few weeks, um, and I'm very much in that headspace now. Is what can I do to both reduce waste, you know, with 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 um with having a baby itself, but mm. but then instill those values in, in our our kid. So, yeah, yeah. Because I guess it's the new generation that they're kind of the the key, I think, because because we have so many habits. Well, especially older generations than us have mm. so many habits that are so in, entrenched. It seems like a bit of a bigger job. Yeah. Whereas if we can work on the younger generation and and get those habits sorted. At an early age, like you did, mm. you know, it, it could change the world. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. I, th- I think it's us. I think it's everyone who is alive right now that has the power. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Because the kids growing up now, they're just going to see what we're doing as the norm yeah. and they won't know any different. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Behavior modeling, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, there's, another, there's a great thing in behavior change sort of theory, which talks about um, multiple equivalent offers. I, I saw my sister doing this the other day with her kids and it was a great example where you basically say, all right, do you want to go to bed in three minutes or do you want to go to bed in five minutes or would you like to go to bed in seven minutes? <laughs> and basically what you want to do is you want to create choices that feel like they're a choice but in the end achieve the same result. So, you know, in, in, uh, in some of our new presentation and education work, we sort of go, right, well, do you want to um, refuse a plastic straw every time you go to a cafe? Do you want to make sure you bring your own uh, water bottle every day at school or do you want to go for Glad Wrap free or litter-free lunchbox? And, and then you've got uh, choice. So an individual, if we choose to act, it's much, much, much more powerful than being told what to do. Mm-hmm. And do you so, feel like you've kind of won? Yeah, you have. You know? <laughs> you've, you've, you've decided <laughs> you've your own destiny. Decision. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And that's very empowering. And it's, 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 a, it's a trick for, I mean, parents are, are great at this. I've seen so many parents do, do this. But apply that in, a, in an education space to behavior change for, for sustainability or mm-hmm. in our own lives um, for, for, for teaching kids, you know, what some of the options are. It's, it's a great tool. Um, yeah. I really love that one. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because I guess kids just do what they see you do. Yeah. You yeah. know, so, so yeah. you can tell them all you want, but yeah. until you're doing it yourself, it's kind of on deaf yeah. ears, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. So, okay, going back to some of the ways that people can, um, you know, change their habits, change their behavior and help mm. to, you know, act on this sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, some of the things I guess you could do is when you're going to a cafe and you would normally get a takeaway coffee is to actually just sit and have a coffee there, couldn't you? Oh, or, I mean, I think just we take don't, a minute. We don't yeah. slow Relax. down enough, do we? And that's that's the the antithesis of the of that sort of um, 
you know, consumer convenience culture is that on the run sort of stuff and, you know, taking a moment to sit down and, you know, people watch. Mm. I absolutely love doing Everyone's that. Everyone's just when constantly you're, in one a of my favorite things. I love it. <laughs> what do you yeah. do when you're traveling as well? So think about it that way and kind of go like, okay, I know everyone doesn't have the time luxury to do that, but build it in. I think you, you also, you create your own time pressures within your own life, don't you? 100%. Uh, often. And yep. there's, the, there's a, there's a culture that, um, in the, in the sort of workspace, um, it can be very, very challenging or of, of the badge of busyness, right? <laughs> and I think we do that in our everyday lives and it ends up, you know, resulting in some of these convenience decisions that end up in waste creation, but also ends up in us not feeling like we have time because we tell ourselves that we don't because we tell ourselves we're busy because that's the social norm because when you say, how are you, you go, oh, busy, and that's the badge to say I'm important and I've done, <laughs> I'm doing lots. Mm. What about, oh, I'm not very busy, I'm, I'm on top of things. I respect so much. We have some some great um, board members um, who I um, see as our mentors for sustainable coastlines, and you know some of the busiest people I know. And not once do they tell me how busy they are. And I respect that so much. And we try to instill that with within our team. We have a team of fifteen now, and you know it's challenging because you know genuinely there's a lot of work to be done to solve some of these issues. But I think um, at times it's important. We've got to remind ourselves that the most important thing is us and how we feel. And our people, without our people, without our team, we've got nothing. It's sustainable coastline that we really, and so you know, to try to protect that, and also to protect some of these values that we need in our society for sustainability and for wellness and for happiness and health and everything. Taking the the foot off the pedal a bit and going, even if I am busy, what good is it telling people that? And what good is it telling myself that? You just you put all this pressure on yourself, and you say, I don't have time to sit down for this coffee, so I'll mm. take the cup. Mm. You know. Um, mm. It's a, there's a lot to be a lot to be said for that, and and getting ourselves to a headspace of of I've got time to to think clearly and yeah. make decisions like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I like that because that's a that's a real behaviour change rather than just mm. trying to um, mm. you know solve a problem by making a more sustainable product to yeah. solve that problem. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to a really interesting podcast the other day where um, there was. Uh, it was it was talking about don't give pain a voice. Uh, I think it was a Rich Roll podcast, um, an epic um, ultramarathon runner, ex Navy SEAL that was standing up there, and his his thing is basically like if I was internalising that the pain of of running a long distance race, and I was able to keep it in my brain and and not say it, or the in, or the opposite, if I needed inspiration, all I needed to say was I am strong, I will finish this, or I will get there. But actually saying those words was enough to to bring that thing to life. And I think the same with busyness. We say we're busy. We're busy. In my head, I'm busy. We say, you say we're you're relaxed. stressed out. Yeah, you say you're stressed out. That's a big out. one. People say they're stressed, stressed and they really can become even more stressed. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm not talking here about not talking about issues. You know, we need to be able to, if we've got a real issue, we've got mental health issues, we've got you know, something we really need to talk about, absolutely talk about it. But if it's just satisfying a social norm or making small talk, don't underestimate the significance of that, mm. um, of, of just constantly telling yourself you're stressed and busy. If, if really, you know, you, you, you're not or, or the opposite, if you can tell, you know, I'm on top of things. I'm, I'm good. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm actually in a good space. The and- so I can do this. Mm. I'm going to get this done. Yeah. Mm. Um, there's there's, a, there's so much power to that, that belief in that word. Um, yeah. And it impacts on a, on a lot of the different, you know, issues we see, I think. Yeah, mm. definitely. Okay, so primarily um, the key here is to connect with nature so we all understand uh, and appreciate why we're wanting to make some change and what we're wanting to protect. Uh, And then I guess it's starting to think about your behaviours. Do I need to um, have a takeaway coffee? Do I need to have the straw? Do I need Mm. to... Do I have five minutes to just sit down and enjoy Mm. this coffee and just... Take yeah. some time. And then I guess in situations where you do need to uh, use a product that potentially is contributing to the problem, use mm. a sustainable yeah. um, solution. So totally, yeah. those are things like sustainable coffee cups, yeah. reusable drink bottles, yeah. uh, sustainable straws or no straws at all. Yeah. What else have we got? I mean, buy, buying in bulk is one. Uh, I remember uh, back in the day we used to, you know, a lot of kids used to turn up at school with a little uh, – Little yogurt pottle with yogurt and a little lid on top of it, and there's two pieces of plastic there. Um, my parents used to make easy yo, and they'd have little reusable containers there, and we'd we'd take those, and then we'd wash them and use them again. Um, so there's make your own, and and then there's there's sort of buy in bulk. So you gotta buy, a, you know, whatever it may be. Maybe you're you're buying a big thing of 
healthy popcorn or something. Don't buy the individual packets. Buy the, the biggest one you can find and put it into smaller, mm-hmm. you know, reusable containers. All, all that sort of stuff, I think, uh, you know, we do need to sometimes buy things in supermarkets that are wrapped in plastic. There's food self safety things around it. Um, but, you know, whatever you can grow yourself, do whatever you've got to buy. See if you can buy it outside of a, a single-use plastic wrapper. And if you've got to buy it in single-use plastic, buy the biggest one you can. And if you can decant it into smaller reusable, great. Like, those things are, are useful tips for everyday people who are who, who are busy. And we, we can't all be perfect. We can't all assume that, you know, mum's going to um, get to the end of the day and finish work and three kids to feed and then, you know, ma- make um, make crackers um, for the next month and yeah. do all this. So it's, and then, you know, create a batch of toothpaste for the, for the kids. You know, th- these things are, are great and by all means do them if you, if you can fit that in. But, but take those steps and move towards, because this is all a journey, you know, sustainability stuff, um, health, happiness, wellness, we're, we're on a journey, you know. Mm. It's no, not all or nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's not. And, I, and, I and think, don't beat yourself up if you're not doing everything. Exactly. Just, Something's better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, that's kind of, kind of been a theme throughout the whole podcast, hasn't it? Yeah. That like it doesn't have to be yeah. perfect or just nothing, you yeah. know, that just yeah. one small thing a day can yeah. even yeah. make a difference, whether it's nutrition-related, fitness or sustainability. And yeah. you are and you are making a difference. Even if you just make one little change today mm. and you think, maybe you think, oh, I mean, is yeah. it even going to change anything? It's like, well, yeah. hang on, what about if I do that again tomorrow? I've changed my behavior in doing so. Then think about the flow-on effect from that and how much you're cutting down on consumerism or mm. some sort of product or some sort of some sort of thing for the rest of your lifetime or, and then the and flow what other people from that, that, that you've seen you, influence. you know um, doing that are going to do so mm-hmm. you know help to build that social norm and, yeah. and make make everyone feel like you know they're part of that that group um, there's a lot that this stuff snowballs and this is why we're feeling so good about this issue or I'm feeling so good about it is that 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 um that critical mass is there those social norms are being established or have been in some in some cases so you know we just need to um need to feel like we are we are winning um because we we're getting there you know mm-hmm. definitely yeah we totally are and I also I think that the whole um, technology information age that we're currently in allows this sort of change and this sort of information mm. to happen so quickly, mm-hmm. you know, because all the yeah. information is spread so quickly, then it, yeah. people were, people are able to act on it, you know, tomorrow. Knowledge has never been more accessible. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. On that note, I might, I might just give a little plug for uh, the new program we're running, Litter Intelligence. The reason I, I mention that is that we've compiled on there a huge part of the program is citizen science collecting data on what the issue is on beaches around the country um, there's 112 beaches where we now have community groups you know four times a year going out and figuring out what's on those beaches it's a scientific study but communities are involved the end result of all that actually though is as we want to take action to solve these things and so on there if listeners want to check it out it's litterintelligence.org and there's an action button on the uh, on the menu there and there's a bunch of different case studies of different things you can do for different products so if you're going i'm finding i'm using a a, you know a lot of um coffee cups i'm finding i'm using a lot of food wrappers um you can sort of filter that and go here are the solutions that are relevant to that um so it's just a a way of trying to humanize you know how these things and and the the thing we know with behavior change stuff is you've got to make things locally relevant um to the individual you've got to make it work within their sphere of influence and so uh, it's one way we've decided this we'll, we'll present those stories in that way yeah. That's awesome. That's hugely useful. What's yeah. that website again? So it's litterintelligence.org and cool. the uh, the button on there is action. But have an explore of the whole website and you'll see which beaches in New Zealand have got, you know, which issues, where um, where the issues are, are worst um, and where they're changing around. So mm-hmm. it's really interesting to see that, some insights on there as well. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. We'll, put, we'll put that in the show notes as well. And that's going to be your homework for everyone listening right now to go and check <laughs> oh, it out. Oh, God, I thought you were just... Telling me. No, I was, just making, right I, I was just making eye contact with you. <laughs> but um, do you know what I love about sustainable coastlines is I really like that you guys are just an organisation full of hope and it's not like if you go and visit HQ, which is a really cool spot, which I strongly urge people to go and have a look at, but but you go there and it doesn't feel like, oh, my God, this is this huge insurmountable problem. Mm. I'm so small I'm not going to be able to make a difference. Or I'm going to get told off for... Yeah, exactly. Like you, You go there and you leave feeling empowered and like you can make mm. a change and it's just a, like a really cool positive yeah. vibe but, 
because I think it's really easy to get caught up in the doom and gloom of it all and just yeah. think like, oh, my God, the, the world has just yeah. gone to crap. And, it's gone to the yeah. dogs. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's yeah. gone to, to the dogs and there's nothing I could do. But it's really cool to talk to someone like you and, yeah. and just get like a new sense of hope about it. Yeah, I think it's really important for people. It's 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 not to belittle the issues that we have and we, we, we need to know what those are. But I think that job is – it's getting easier for us. And as I say, we don't have to spend so much time convincing people that there's a, a problem with litter in our marine environment or with our waterways. I think people people across the board know that. It's actually now about understanding. It's that action comp- competence stuff. It's the capability to, mm-hmm. to act, the opportunity to act and the motivation to act. And that's, you know, you can't do that with negativity. You can't do that with, with the stick. It has to be the carrot. It has to be feel good. Uh, it has to be fun, you know, and it ha- and it can't be about beating yourself up for not being perfect. It just has to be take a step and you know be a bit better tomorrow than you were today. And mm-hmm. there's a, there's a, another great quote that we often use, which is start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can. And you know why not? Like in your context, it might not be possible to plant out every single vegetable that you buy in a supermarket. Just plant some herbs. You know, start somewhere. Maybe your neighbour will see it and they'll start doing it too. Maybe your kids will see it and they'll get amped about it and you know get into gardening at school. Um, I think it's it's really uh, it's really about making sure that we have a positive lens on this whole th- stuff because in the end, people will do what's what they want to do, what's convenient for them, and what's fun. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you got to keep it positive. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. Hey, um, one kind of final question for you. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe we'll do we'll do a couple, but one I want to um, cover off first. Yeah. If you were to actually two questions, if yes. you were the president <laughs> of the world, let's pretend the world has a president. Okay, right. Okay, if yeah, you're the good. president of the world, <laughs> what law would you change? Okay, and this can be to do with anything. Yeah. Or and could then, you bring yeah. in a new law? Not necessarily. Yeah, or, yeah, 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 yeah. or bring yeah. in a new law. And yeah. and what if you were? And if you were the prime minister of New Zealand, same question: What law would you change? Let's, let's pretend that the prime minister can just change laws whenever yeah, right. yeah, she right. likes. Yeah, okay. Overnight. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting questions. Yeah, I think. Um, well, first day I wouldn't. Uh, uh, we're, we're very grassroots, so we don't really delve into politics side of things. So I'll just caveat that. But I think there's a there's a fun way of looking at it for me, where I think. Um, we, we measure our success wrong in society. Um, I know that GDP isn't the only measure by which countries are uh, see themselves as successful, but I feel like that's a big root cause of a lot of our issues. So I try to flip it around and, and make it about about wellness, about ha- about happiness. Uh, and, you know, there are countries that have the gross national happiness index and things like that, but, you know, truly ingrain wellness and, and happiness as core measures of our success. It's, I don't know what the law change in there is, um, but there's there's something in there. Mm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, your team can sort it out at a later date. You're, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're we'll get, get a working yeah. group on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then any books that you would recommend or podcasts or anything that you've been listening mm. to lately or yeah. read? Uh, I love uh, Rich Roll's podcasts. Uh, really, really good. I'm not sure if you've listened to him. Yeah, um, we're big fans. Yeah, yeah big mm-hmm. fans. Yeah, yeah. Um, alcoholic, ex-alcoholics, struggled with remission and all that sort of stuff. He's he's a human, right? Um, and but then you know, ultra marathon runner, epic. Um, very very into his um, plant based diets. Uh, I think you know myself. I, I'm striving uh, this year to, to eat less meat um, and to to you know a, as a solution for a lot of these the environmental issues we see ourselves in is is um, I know plant based diets have have a lot um, of influence on on that and mm-hmm. so in the in the waste space as well even it's a hell of a lot easier to to grow your own food here than for me to have a cow in the backyard yeah um, totally and so you know I think uh, I think that rich role i think um there's a, a great one how i built this which for me is a beauty in terms of inspiring stories of founders um and things for for me as a co-founder of the organization you know there are challenges constantly and i think if anyone's running a small business or a small charity or a medium-sized business um it's really useful to hear those stories i uh, really really love those uh, mm. And I love Freakonomics. I'm not sure if you've listened to that, but it's based, I haven't, but I have heard yeah, of it. Based on a book um, years and years ago, uh, and a, a series based on kind of data, data science, mm. but more more around actually kind of um, yeah the, the, the human economic side of things, but using sort of science as a as a lens. Really, really interesting. Yeah, I've yeah. read the book actually. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Just it's like beauty. yeah, yeah, you you yeah. figure out there's you know potentially some correlations to things that you just would never have even imagined that you know yeah. they discover through economics yeah yeah absolutely 
Yeah. God, I yeah. keep just getting distracted by your majestic cats. I really <laughs> yeah. just can't he's, stop watching he's them. He's wandering around um, <laughs> eyeing up the, the rocket uh, <laughs> right now and perhaps hunting a butterfly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and to finish off, how can, can people get a hold of you guys? Yeah. Um, do you have a website, Instagram? Yeah, yeah. yeah. sustainablecoastlines.org. Uh, so get hold of us on there. We've got a big team now and so I might not be the most appropriate person to, to come to for everything but the, the, we've got a huge team which is in their, in their epic. So um, check us out there. We've got to run a lot of events, uh, running a lot of stuff um, over summer, a lot of stuff over winter, um, always something to, to get involved in. So yeah, sustainablecoastlines.org. We're also on uh, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter and all that sort of stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Fantastic, man. Really appreciate yeah. your time and your information and your knowledge awesome. and your passion. Yeah. And thanks for having us in your beautiful backyard. Yeah. No worries. Cheers, guys. Let's go save the world. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for listening. Thank you indeed. This podcast is brought to you by Raw Collective. And for any updates on our podcast or any of the other podcasts under Raw, head to rawcollective.co or you can follow them on Instagram at raw underscore collective.co. But wait. Before you go, please subscribe to our podcast and also rate it and review it. Leave a nice little message. Leave a smiley face, maybe an emoji. (laughs) Or tell your friends. It's super easy. It takes two seconds and it would mean so much to us. Bye. Bye. Bye.